Hi, and welcome to the Directors UK podcast. This episode comes from our Vice Screening and Q&A, where director Adam McKay spoke to Stephen Merchant about working with his remarkable cast, researching with more than Wikipedia, and plenty more besides. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you very much. Um, I'm sure we don't need these, but thank you. Um, I may be the only person, uh, Adam, who has listened to both uh, Anchorman commentaries in their entirety. I, spoke, I mentioned this to Adam. He didn't even realize there was a second commentary, although he did do it himself. Uh, please sit down. Oh. I, let's welcome Adam McKay, please. A round of thank applause. you. They told us we have uh, 15 minutes before we throw it open, so I'm gonna, I'm, I've set a timer, and in 15 minutes it will ring, and wow, you know, is... in the spirit of the movie, it will just interrupt a scene. That is strict. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I so, thought... Anchorman, commentaries, go. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> we, I feel like we've only got 15 minutes. Let's, let's stay focused on this movie for now, and if we've got okay. time, we'll move on to, uh, to the intricacies of those commentaries. Um, in the spirit of the film, I thought, I've got some questions, but I thought, let's not start with question one. Uh, just choose a number between one and ten, and we'll start with that question. Oh, I like this. All right, uh, number number ten. Perfect. Editing. Let's go. Just jump straight into editing because the I'm film. I'm thrown. I'm thrown. No, come on. You'll be all right. <laughs> You'll be okay. I'll walk you through it. So um, uh, they talk about editing being the kind of um, another opportunity to rewrite the film. Um, is there a big jump from the script that you wrote? to the finished film via the editing? Uh, did you do a lot of work there? Did you discover a lot more in, oh, in that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, one of the big things, we had a whole section in the movie in the first act that was about young Dick Cheney meeting Lynn Vinson. I mean, really, his first act is about Lynn Vinson. She's, you know, the McKee, Sid Field kind of screenwriting books will tell you no, no, it has to be your main character. But really, honestly, his first act is Lynn Vincent. So we had a whole thing where there were teenagers. Uh, we had different actors playing them. And it was about, you know, eight or nine minutes long. It wasn't crazy. Beautifully shot. I mean, Greg Frazier, our DP, can really shoot. And, um, and it was kind of a little bit like the last picture show. It kind of had that feeling to it. And we put it up in front of crowds, and they were like, we, we don't want to talk about 16-year-old Dick Cheney. <laughs> they were just not into it. And we kept recutting it and recutting it and recutting it, and we could not get it to work. Um, and so what was, so was the first cut of the movie much longer and much more? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, the first cut was about two and a half hours long. We envisioned this giant American epic that had like, which it kind of still is, but... Uh, but it was mostly about those younger years. We could just not get the audience to hook into them. And and then we realized really the point was made that Dick was a, you know, a screw up. Yeah. Uh, you get it. She's the wind in the sails. Let's move on. And so that was a case where I jokingly would blame Greg Frazier. I would say, your footage was too beautiful. <laughs> you caused this two months that we just wasted trying to get that to work. Um, you were so, just, just desperate to keep it in because it was so oh, elegant. And, my yeah. God, it's gorgeous. And, and it'll be attached to the movie when it comes out. We actually cut it like as a short film in black and white. Uh, will be there a, be a commentary? Uh, <laughs> there will be a commentary. Will there be a second commentary? There will be seven I look forward to this. <laughs> so let's go back to question one. So... What attracted you I don't to Dick? Go to What's question the, one. You don't want, you want no, question no. one. Let's go to four. Question four. All right. All right. Let me see here. Uh, it, this is the question which sounds the most like James Lipton from Inside the Actor's Studio. Wow. And it simply says, it simply says, Adam, 
Why Christian Bale? <laughs> uh, it's a good question, though. Um, you know, uh, I started reading books about Dick Cheney, and I started looking at my experience of living in America and the crazy, crazy ride we've been through. And I just realized there was the giant silhouette. This, I, I mean, I really thought of like in Apocalypse Now when Martin Sheen gets like the weird blurry photo of General Kurtz and you hear like the radio. And I was like, he started to take on that kind of proportion to me. And right then, before I had written a single word, I knew it was Christian Bale. I was just like, there's only one guy I want to see do this. Here's the guy that will go deep enough. And the great thing with Bale is you don't have to worry about the physical transformation. You know somehow he's going to get there. Yeah. Uh, but, but what I loved about Bale is he's so emotionally rigorous. I mean, he just doesn't miss a trick. And he's just dogged in his pursuit. And... I was like, we need that. That has to be at the center of the movie. And so is there the the, the, the prosthetics that he's wearing? I mean, they're very beautifully done. Is there? It's hard to tell how much is him beefing up for the role and how much he's wearing fake bits. I mean, he definitely did transformation. I mean, he definitely put on a lot of weight. Uh, and, you know, not to brag, but all the uh, prosthetics I did. Uh, <laughs> I, I did them, and I have a little garage in the back of my house. Sure. And uh, so... Anyone who talks about it, I did it. Whatever, no big deal. And uh, no, no, we hired Greg Canham, uh, Academy Award winning yeah. <laughs> grandmaster at what he uh, he does. And that was an interesting part, too, that the prosthetics with his physical transformation. And then once again, I'll say it most importantly, the psychological transformation uh, that, you know, Christian talked about the fact that Greg Cannon became like part of his acting circle. Like the two of them got wow. way closer than I think any Just of them would in, have liked. In sort of exploring the physicality of it. They kind yes. Of, they started to sort of hypothesize about what that physical stuff is doing to the voice and to the face. And the uh, exactly right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and what the big question was, was how accurate do you want it to be versus how in impressionistically accurate do you want it to be and of course I chose with the whole movie I chose impressionistically accurate I was like you don't have to be exactly right we just got to get that vibe and I remember we did about four or five makeup tests with Christian but the whole while he's working on the movements and he's working on every little facial gesture and he's watching tape after tape and I think it was the fourth time they put the makeup on and he's like and I was like Christian, that's looking really good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, but I've been working on the walk. Tell me what you think. And he did the Cheney walk down the hallway. And I had like, literally the hair yeah. stood up on me. And I, I was joking. It was like, he's not playing him. He's summoning him. Yeah. It was like eerie in a way. And then I was like, we're good. We got this. And he was like, no, we're not good. And I was like, really? I was like, that looks pretty amazing, man. He's like, no, no, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And um, all of us had a moment where we're like, come on, man, I think we got it. Yeah. And then he was right. And, uh, and we did one more step, and then that step just blew us away at it, that point. It's incredible. It's an amazing performance. And um, Amy Adams just showed up and learned the lines and, and just did that. Did that was the easiest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A helicopter landed in the parking lot. Yeah. She ran out. I Sounds didn't really, like Amy. Yeah. Didn't even really see her. Uh, they just gave her a paycheck. And uh, 
No, it was the two of them. The two of them were in the trenches the entire time. Yeah. And uh, same thing with Amy. If you get Amy in there, she's going to go for it. She's going to go deep. And the two of them, too, you know, obviously have this unspoken kind of incredible thing between the two of them where they just, you know, love and trust each other. And at the same time, they both get what they're going for and, and just go deeper and deeper with it. It was, it was like a, a, a privilege to behold. It really was. I, I jokingly told a friend of mine, it was like when I work with Will, it's kind of like you have like the greatest wood chipper ever or the greatest Maserati ever. And you just want to rev the engine and yeah. try stuff. <laughs> and with Christian and Amy, there are times where you just get very quiet and you feel like you're watching like a narwhal breach or something. Right, right, like, right. I don't want to wreck this. I'm a moron. Please don't let me wreck this. You're uh, out of your depth. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wildly out yeah, of my yeah, depth. Yeah, no yeah. yeah. No. It's all a sham. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, we've, let's stop talking about the people in front of camera because they always get the glory. Uh, let's talk about love you. it. I um, love this. I love this pivot. So let's talk about the scripting. You know, it's a dense uh, subject. It's it's covering what four decades or something, perhaps more. How did you approach it? Did you it's actually four, fourteen decades. It's fourteen decades. Yes, wow. yes, yeah. The that's, movie starts in eighteen forty-eight. Extraordinary. Yeah, because he's now one hundred and seventy-nine years old. Is that, that right? That is correct. Yeah, that is correct. Keep moving. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and so. Uh, you you just you 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 read one Wikipedia page and then you got writing. That was or, it. That was it. Or you, yeah, you did some yeah. research. How did a it work? A friend of mine told me some shit and <laughs> yeah. I just said, "Let's go." Yeah. yeah no, and it's yeah. well, it's worked out for you. So yeah. Congrats. You know, when the when the noms come in, um, it's paid off for you. No, you you. I'm assuming you did some you did some grunt work, or someone did. Uh, yes, yes, we did. I I picked up a book about Cheney and, and read it. Yes, yep. exactly. Right away. I'm a good guy. <laughs> and uh, and was amazed, was amazed by the level of his bureaucratic knowledge, his detail, his patience blew me away. And I just thought, well, this is interesting. Let's read another one. Yeah. And then I would read another one and there would be another piece to that that was like, holy crap, I didn't know that. And then pretty soon my wife is saying, why are you ordering lots and lots of books about Dick Cheney? Are you okay? <laughs> um, and, and then off of that, I started reading articles. And God bless the great journalists of the world. There was tons of amazing work out there. And then I called uh, Robin Woolley, our executive producer, right over here. Give her a round of applause. Yeah. Let's make her stand up. Let's make it. No, no, she can stand up. Stand up, please, Will, Robin. Uh, um, Adam, we don't have time. We don't have time for that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We don't I'm have sorry, time. I'm sorry, Robin. Sit down. We're we don't really, have time. We're really up against Sit down. It. We've got, we've got we don't five have, minutes left. We, we don't have time so for sorry. that bullshit. You'll have to um, wait to awards <laughs> night. Yeah, you can wait for that. So anyway, we, uh, <laughs> we did crazy amounts of research. We hired our own journalists who went and interviewed people all around Cheney's world. Uh, people who had worked with him, people from his town, everything to make sure we weren't lunatics with what we were doing. But yeah, I've never been through anything like it. It was months and months of work. But and like you, I could said, you see, could you see a, could you see the through line from the off? Could you could you carve out the main thrust of that story from from the beginning? Yeah, I I, I felt like there were certain uh, stake posts that were already there that were you know, intriguing to me, the idea of this guy who was getting DUIs in Casper, Wyoming, who flunked out of Yale. And I realized they started harmonizing with kind of where America was at, this kind of anti-elitist thing that the right wing has in our country. And, and then this idea of like individuals 
who are going to do what they're going to do, and then somehow that just becoming a darker version of power. And, and a lot of things just started to line up. Um, so a, at a certain point, it just became like, wait a minute, are we imagining this, or is this actually here? And uh, so then at a certain point, we, we just started fact-checking everything we'd been looking at. And so the, the actual sort of approach you take to it, you obviously had experimented on, and done it very successfully in the big short, where you blend this style of... Uh, drama and and humor and then obviously this sort of documentary thing the breaking the fourth wall the the commentaries the explanations about sort of his uh, historical or political information um with both the big short and this where, where did that how, how do you start with that do you do you write the sort of emotional story and then bolt that on is it all part of an organic process with the archive do you just write there will be some archive of Iraq and some people <laughs> run off and go and find it. How, how, just give us a sense of how you kind of put that all together. Uh, yeah, there, there's two levels to it. The first level is after the big short, you just realize you have permission to do some shit. Uh, I mean, that's really it. You're like, so as I'm writing this, when I got to the point where like, wow, Cheney should have just retired here. This should have been the end. He was Secretary of Defense. I mean, I'm not saying it was perfect, but all things considered, chasing Saddam out of Kuwait went kind of well. And he was highly regarded, and he got a really high-paying job. And he accepted his daughter, who came out of the closet. And so just because of our experience with The Big Short, and clearly the comedies as well, you just go, you know what, I'm going to roll credits here. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. and uh, and then the, as far as the emotional arc goes, that that's definitely what you start with. I mm -hmm. mean, that's that's the first thing is that you see a story of a guy. For me, what surprised me is he's so cold and so distant in the way that we all imagine him. But when I read that he accepted his daughter immediately when she came out of the closet, and then I saw where it ended, it actually made me sad. And yeah. I thought, I cannot believe I'm feeling sad about Dick Cheney. Right. And, and that was one of those key moments. So there's a lot of those things going on. There's the personal emotional arc. There's the macro kind of arc of what changed in America. How did America go from here to here, you know? Obviously, yeah. where we are now, which I don't know what the hell to call that, but because um, you put a lot of blame at his feet, don't you? At the end, I mean, you do. You basically blame everything on him. Which everything, is, which everything. Is a little bit harsh. No, no. I think he created cowpox. I really well, do. I, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, what we tried to do uh, is we tried to put the tipping teacups in there because sure. it's obviously not all him, but it's all a. It's just a choice that started happening through our country where yep. we decided not to trust government anymore. And suddenly government was viewed as weakness. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was a weird because I'm old enough that I, I lived in the, you know, I was in the 70s. Our, our family was broke. I got to see kind of America semi working. And then this turn that happened where it was like, you know, if you need help from the government or support, you're weak. And that change just got more and more pernicious and fractured us more and more to the point where I, I think I can objectively say whether you're right wing or left wing. Like, I mean, I, I don't think our government really does anything in the, in the United right. States right now. Right. So so the images in the end were more of a reflection of that, of that we've lost faith in the idea that our community and individuals uh, individuals can become a community to change things. And, and a lot of that's uh, not a lot of it. 
a, a good chunk of it is directly tied to sorry, I have Dick to stop Cheney. I'm no, sorry, no, you got to stop. stop. You've got to stop. stop. I'm done too. I've got to stop. I'm, I'm done sorry. too. We've got to open Please, it up. Please, no a one in the crowd make any <clears throat> sound. I'll just that. very quickly before I open it up, I would just very quickly because I feel like we should talk about you as a director. We've talked a lot about writing and other actors and my physical of... process, how I took care of myself exactly. during you the look, shooting. You're in incredible shape. Do you work? Thank out? you. Thank you. I do, and I'm going to talk a little slower during this section. <laughs> Every day, I just go after my body, and I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to take. Well, it's paying off. It's paying off. Um, but as a director, they, you know, again, they can talk about directing as you know, it's like being chased down a bolt down a hill by a boulder. Do you? How do you? You've never heard that? Never heard that never before. Heard that no, that's you crazy. Just, you should look that up. Yeah, you um, should check your diet because well, something there's <laughs> a lead imbalance going on. But um, <laughs> but I, I suppose my question is 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 uh, you know, when you're directing, you know, this is a very complicated film. It has so many, uh, um, we're, we're, as I said, we're, we're traveling through 148 years of American history. Um, <laughs> how are you juggling? Do you, are you, a, are you, do you go in there very prepared? Are you very structured? Are you very, are you storyboarded? Or do you, how loose can you be? Can you allow the actors to improvise in something that's so kind of carefully wrought? Just tell I, us a bit about You that. know, it's funny. I, I think we end up doing both. I think we go into it like crazy... Uh, uh, control freaks and every single line and scene and location and choice is triple thought quadruple thought and then when I show up on set I go I was a moron for the last four months no I mean but honest to God that is the way we do it and so you get the first four or five takes you know with the you know kind of crazy control freak view and then I just say, you know what? You can, as much as you anticipate, you can never anticipate this wardrobe, this location, the way the actors are feeling. And there's a great comfort to everyone once you've got it. Once you've got that take, uh, I just say, let's let's try some stuff. And uh, so once I've seen the Norwal breach, yeah. I kind of go, all right, we saw the Norwal breach. Now let's. Uh, Piss in the ocean? No, the metaphor yeah. ran out of gas. It I ran didn't out understand of gas. the Norwal breach stuff. So really, I, I just meant very special. And that unique. seems like a metaphor you've used several times. That's just gone right over my head. Wow, they don't have norwals around here. Means. Basking shark. What? Oh, Jesus Christ! Forget it. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll Google that later. Um, are there any questions that uh, anyone would like to ask? Um, there's a lady right here in the front row. Do we have a microphone for her? We do. Well, she gets a micro. It's a small room. Yeah, I'm sure we could hear. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I haven't had so much terrible dark laughter in quite a while. And, um, you know, I want to thank you because even though we're joking about it, it's really important work. And um, I feel like there's been a huge part of me that's been disenfranchised since the Iraq war. I mean, we all marched and we were disenfranchised and we kind of shut down because I didn't think there was anything we could do. So um, I want to thank you first, and I thought it was really amazing as well as really funny. Um, could you talk a little bit about the litigation situation and how you handle the uh, the truth and how you navigate that legal sphere within reporting on people who are current and how you write about it and how you navigate that surface? That was question 13, by the way. On <laughs> I can see his paper. It wasn't. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, first and foremost, the pain that you're talking about, the upset that you're talking about in watching the movie is what we went through as well. I mean, we 
certainly, you know, our circle of friends marched and were very loud about what was going on, and we saw it coming in slow motion down the boulevard. And uh, and then, really, the second heartbreak was after that, seeing it swept under the carpet, seeing that I, I, I don't know how it was over here in the UK, but... U.S., they do not like to talk about it. And, and that started uh, instantly with Obama, who I voted for, but no discussion of prosecution, just moved right on. And then this second stage hit towards the end of Obama into um, the one whose name I will never say. Uh, and then it was like, it really was like it was forgotten. And and that that was really sad to me. That That's a scary place when the uh, Novocaine gets so thick uh, that you, you can't feel or have perspective. And in, in general, uh, and, and don't worry, Stephen, this will loop back to my workout regime. I promise I it will. It will. It will. In general, in our country, I just feel like there's a lack of like perspective in our feet on the floor. Like, where did we come from? What choices got us here? Let's all be honest about it. And you start to have that conversation, and then someone says, well, there's a green man hiding in a, uh, a pot of rainbows. And you're like, wait, what? And, and, and everything's kind of thrown up in the air. So yeah, a lot of the motivation for this movie came from a desire to understand how do we get here? What were the choices that were made? How do we not forget? Um, what was the second part of your question? She also mentioned litigation. Are you being sued? And could I in any way be involved in that by being here? Stephen's innocence is a, is a nice ploy. We're, we're being sued by a class action lawsuit led by Stephen. And it's entirely frivolous. Uh, no, we, they're public figures. Everything's fact-checked. Uh, there's, you know, there's nothing, there's no crazy leap unless, I'm, unless you know, we didn't invade Iraq. Then we're screwed. Uh, Should we no. take another question? Because I yes. don't want to make that Yes, this lady here. Yeah. Obviously, thank you. And obviously, he, his character, he was the driving force in you making this film, and then you built the land, you built him into his landscape. Okay, but did you take any time? Were you able to get access to people who were in that sphere, like Colin Powell or any of the others, who could have given you like the the reality of what was going on at the time? Yeah. So yeah, were, were we able to connect with people that were in these rooms and and hearing these things beat by beat? Well, I mean, the truth is, there's just a ton of writing about it. There are a ton of books, ton of reliable sources, and what we really did was just take all those sources and kind of put them together into this narrative. Uh, and then, in addition to that, we did interview uh, roughly a dozen people, of course, all off the record, just to make sure that we weren't crazy. And everything we heard, if anything, we heard maybe we're not going far enough. And I was like, really? That makes me tired. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of triangulation with all of this. And we, we've worked with a lot of journalists and a lot of fact checkers, and we read a lot of things, and everything was looked at. And there's really only two moments in the movie that I, I view as like, I, I don't know if we'll ever know what really happened there. And, and the one is when he tells Rumsfeld, you're fired. 
I haven't seen an account of that. There is no account of that. Rumsfeld's never going to say it. Cheney's never going to say it. And then the other one is when Lynn's mom died. We don't know exactly what the conversations were around there. So I just, I tried to be very respectful and real. I based it on the characters that I knew and tried not to make any giant assumptions. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the, the, the mystery of the movie that drove us. I have a, pardon me, I have a second question. What, have you got another project um, in the queue, as it were? I mean, are you aiming for another, um, another story about America and the state of it? I mean, given the change since, you know. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were joking about the idea that there's a, uh, a, a trilogy here called the What the F is Going On trilogy. <laughs> and so the first one was The Big Short. This one is Vice. And, I, I you know, it seems, I don't know. I, I've done this before where I finish a movie and then I go, the next movie's going to be this. But, man, oh, man, that global warming just seems to be rolling across the horizon line in a way that there are far more interesting, strange stories out there I'd rather tell, but I don't know if we have a choice. I, I, it's just getting so big by the day. There was another report. So yeah, we're kicking around something for that. I, I have two versions of that. One's a kind of a comedy, um, and then the other one's uh, obviously much more epic movie. But yeah, it seems like the, the fossil fuel industry, oil, I mean, you guys, you know, we're all dealing with it. Any final questions? <clears throat> Uh, yes, this uh, gentleman there, the uh, the the guy, the, the mic. not that one, the, the guy. guy behind. This one? No. Yeah. All right. Now you you've got the mic now. You're yeah, like, I feel oh. like it's awkward. I feel like he has yeah, to go. I know. I was just wondering really quickly. Um, I'll answer him really fast. Yes, give please, me a shitty answer. I just thought this guy was cheeky. <laughs> shitty answer. Should we coming. answer? Should we ask to talk at the same time? Or just like, go go ahead. Come on. Go ahead. All right. Okay. I'll be quick. Um, I wondered if you could kind of comment a uh, comment on the comedy landscape, uh, just sort of in general. So you started with big brash comedies like Anchorman. And now you've gone into more of this, which is weaves a lot of humor into it, and it's great. Um, do you think we'll see more and more of this kind of stuff coming out and less of the kind of Anchorman-y kind of stuff? I, I think we're trying to figure it out right now. I think comedy is in a very weird place. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, the moment I keep coming back to you, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see we have those giant fires in Northern California that were really just so far beyond the pale? And Trump gave a speech about how we need to rake the yeah. woods more. <laughs> Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. And, and I was laughing, and then I was like, this is really sad. I mean, this yeah. is really bad. And yet that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Right, well, I was the, my first thought was he wants to get rid of the leaves, but most of the people doing the gardening in California are Hispanic, and he wants to get rid of them as well, so he doesn't... Oh, what the hell good. can he do? That's good. He's in a real bind. I mean, literally, like, Chauncey Gardner yeah. would have been more on it than that answer. Chauncey Gardner would have been like, I, I love the garden, but no, this is the temperature's getting too high, and we got to yeah. do something about it. Yeah. So, I, I honestly, there's a confusion in comedy right now that's uh, distressing and exciting. And so that's kind of why, and, and the show we did with uh, Jesse Armstrong, Succession, uh, same thing. When we worked with him, we're just like, is this incredibly dark and awful or is it funny? And then in both cases with this movie and with Succession, they've been airing Succession over here now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in both cases, we just decided who cares? Like just this is what's going on. Just do it. Yeah. Thanks.
Before you ask your question, sir, can I get a time check? I have no idea how long we're supposed to be. Been up here for three hours. You got one more question? All right, this this gentleman finally. Wow, there's a lot of lot of pressure. Um, it was actually to talk about the politics um, in terms of what's happening in America now, where there's a lot of um, made up allegations against Iran, and this idea that the executive powers are still in place. Uh, you know, uh, do you feel that the landscape has changed? where that kind of um, excuse for a war to distract from domestic policies or, or uh, the, the grip of executive powers is different? Or do you think there is a real possibility that what you've done in your film could be repeated? Or do you think Trump will run out of time with the Mueller investigation? Wow. That's a, that Could you try and do that in a tight 30 seconds? Give us the answer on that Yes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, uh, could we do that again? I mean, you know, it, it seems obvious that we're now in a new age of warfare, right? It's not the old troop transports landing on the beaches and the planes coming in as much as America has put so much money into that. Right. And we would love for that to be the case. It's like, I think that's uh, actually probably was over about 50 years ago, but we keep trying to make that happen. It's information warfare. I mean, mm -hmm. clearly the, the Third World War is information warfare, and boy, do they not get it in America. I mean, you say you suggest that an American, people want to punch you. Um, so do we think we could push ourselves into another war? You know what? I actually, and I hate to be optimistic with the uh, uh, you know shit clown show that we have going on over in America right now, <laughs> But I don't think so. I don't think so. It doesn't feel right. It feels like on a muscular level, Americans get that the days of troop transports and bombers and like, but I don't know. I'll, I'll be wrong in like two weeks on this. So I, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Uh, I just want to ask one, one final question, which is something that occurred to me when I watched the film. Despite the fact that Rumsfeld himself turns to the camera at the end and kind of justifies his actions in some way. Do you have- Cheney. Cheney, I'm sorry. Does, does what was, who was this about this film? <laughs> I, I haven't I seen the film. I don't remember. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, no, uh, when Cheney turns to the camera at the end, and he and he and he he justifies himself. But do you have? Have you come to a conclusion about whether he is motivated? Because there are various suggestions in your movie. One is the idea of power for power's sake. One is the idea of the sort of mercenary Halliburton kind of money grabber. And the other is, is, an, is an ideologue, a kind of right-wing ideologue. Do, have you come to a conclusion about which one he is, if any? Uh, it's, that's actually a, a great question because that was what we were looking for. And we wished there was like a rosebud moment with that. But there simply wasn't. I mean, personally, what I found was... You know, to me, one of the great books on power ever written is the the Power Broker, the the Robert Caro novel, and I looked at that a lot as far as how does power transform a person, how can it change a person, and everything I looked at, it wasn't about money, it wasn't about title, it wasn't about the spotlight. I think it was just about that juice, that rush of like I'm the guy <laughs> pulling the strings, and. Everything about Dick and Lynn seemed to kind of fit in that. So for me, 
you know, and, and, and once again, this is a thing I think our culture doesn't talk about enough is just the rush of power. And I think that's what drove every bit of it. And I think that's how he lost his way. I think that's how it went from like, okay, I love power. I'll say whatever the dominant theory is right now that's happening to I'll give everything up. I'll, you know, my daughter, the, the country. And, and now when I see him making the rounds on the Sunday shows, it just... He just feels empty. It feels tragic whenever you look at him. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to wrap it up. Finally, just a quick question. Um, you never considered Will Ferrell to play George W. Bush? We, for a tenth of a second, did. Yeah, yeah right. hell yeah. Of course you did. talented yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Felt like it It might have taken the movie in another I direction. <laughs> I hear you. All right, thank you. Uh, round of applause for uh, Adam McKay.